Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The latest from 7 News with Michael Usher. Good evening and welcome. It's the reunion we feared wouldn't happen. Celebration and sheer relief for a family, a township, state and nation, as four-year-old Cleo Smith is found. Tonight, first photo and the family's reaction, their little girl back in their arms. The heroes who didn't give up, how they cracked the case. Hugs, kisses and a lot of tears inside the moment. Cleo was freed from a locked room in a stranger's home. Why? That answer's still to come. After a twist, the suspect tonight rushed to hospital. And what happens next? in the case that has gripped Australia and the world. But first, the moment we'd all been waiting to see today, Cleo's rescue caught on camera. Ernst. Right. Cleo, my name's Cameron, how are you? Are you okay? We're gonna take and see your mummy and daddy, okay? Is that good? One of the police officers in that shot is walking us through that moment tonight. It took a couple of takes before Detective Senior Sergeant Cameron Blaine could be sure it was the four-year-old. And once he knew, the wave of relief was immediate. I said, what's your name? And she didn't answer. And I said, what's your name? <laughs> um, she didn't answer again. So I asked her a third time and then she looked at, looked at me and she said, my name's Cleo. And, it was, um, and that was it. So, and they were ecstatic. But still to be able to give them that news and, and then um, say, you know, please start making your way to the hospital. We'll meet you there. Um, it was fantastic. And uh, it was really... Um, you know, an honour and, and to, to be able to, to witness that reunion. It, it was more, more or less that we were talking to her than she was talking to us, but can I say, having seen her a couple of times this morning, um, she's a little energizer bunny, and she, you know, how she has that much energy, I wish I did, I'm, I'm about ready to go to sleep, but uh, <laughs> she was, um, yeah, so just a very, very sweet, um, energetic girl, um, very, very trusting and very open with us. Um, you know, we wanted to take turns in holding her. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was, it was yeah, a really good experience. Well, let's go straight to our reporter on the scene of that rescue. Ben Downey is live now. Uh, ben, good evening to you. So you've been at the property since just after Cleo was rescued from that house. Police said this was a case of a needle in a haystack. So how did they find the needle? Yeah, good evening, Michael. Well, it was a case of close to three weeks of backbreaking police work. That's how they found the needle. Detectives didn't shine a light on exactly what they did, but they were open to saying it was a combination of many extreme forensic techniques, going through mobile phone towers, cataloguing CCTV and, and putting it into databases. And all of that backbreaking work led eventually police to a lead. Actually, yesterday, late yesterday evening, that's when they made the arrest of Terence Kelly. And after they made the arrest here in Carnarvon, 
and not long after that they raced over to the home they have behind me and that's where they found Cleo pulled around as you heard uh, Cameron Blaine go through there the the amazing scenes and now it's their, their job's not over though the, the job in fact is just starting there's an, a massive forensic operation unfolding behind me they'll have to go through yeah now what is happening at that scene behind you now yeah, well, they're, they're, it's still going to be very much a crime scene into tomorrow and, and for much longer than that. I mean, the detectives and scene guards remain here right now, but forensics, they've packed up for the evening. Surely they'll come back tomorrow as soon as they can. And, you know, it's not just forensics at this scene that'll have to do some more. There's also police that need, need to be conducting interviews with Cleo again, specialists that are brought in that have, have the skills to interview children, that they can interview them without causing any further trauma, but can glean the information that will become necessary if they're going to effectively prosecute this case against... Terence Kelly. Yeah, Ben, look, we saw that magic moment, that beautiful photo of Cleo holding onto the icy pole in the hospital. We know mum and dad were with her for quite a while. I presume the family are going to want a whole lot of privacy right now and just some time together. Do we know how the family are going tonight and what they're doing? Yes, we've just been hearing from them, from police, via uh, the police conduit. Basically, they've just been issuing their thanks and overwhelming thanks to the community and the police and everyone who's played a role in bringing their little girl home. Obviously, they've said Cleo is in very good spirits. We heard Cameron Blaine just a moment ago saying how she was a little energised of Bunny running around. It was a really touching moment as well, the moment that they brought Cleo into the car, the police family liaison officer that's been dealing with the family for close to three weeks now. First thing he did was get on the phone. He, mm. he, he called up the parents just after one o'clock and said... I've got someone here that wants to talk to you and put Cleo onto their parents. They raced over here before she even got to hospital. A very tearful reunion brought in. It's a miracle, Russell. Absolutely. It's quite extraordinary. What's it, I mean, you've been there for so many days now following this. Seeing it all play out there on the ground, what's that been like, Ben? Yeah, uh, unbelievable. I mean, I'm the first to admit that, you know, I was losing hope. We're talking to police officers that said we're planning to be here for six months. That's how long they were thinking mm -hmm. it's going to take to crack this case. I'm just as blown away as everyone else that they've been able to pull off the result that they've delivered today. And the community is, is even more incredulous. We've been, you know, hours after Cleo was found, when the news was well publicised, we were still running into people that were finding it difficult to believe that they couldn't believe that someone, you know, not only that she'd been found, that, that she'd already been alive, but, you know, that community is also feeling that now the, the sinister feeling that someone capable of, of, of such a callous act was also walking amongst them. Someone that they grew up with had, you know, their family goes back generations in this town. Yeah. Now they're, you know, going over and asking themselves the question, I saw this person, you know, it should have been me to come forward. At least now we have a good result. And she was locked in that room in a house behind you there. All right, Ben, we're going to come back to you shortly. Thank you for that, Ben Downey. Well, they're yet to speak in person, but as Ben was referring there, Cleo's family is delighted to have her home. Mum Ellie Smith posting, quote, our family is whole again. That was on Instagram. Later, Ellie took to Facebook, reassuring those that were concerned Cleo's parents may be traumatised by the missing posters still up around the community. Well, she wrote, Cleo has seen her photo and she thought it was beautiful. Cleo's biological father also making a statement to the media that he was overjoyed and grateful to everyone who helped bring her home. The WA Police Commissioner Chris Dawson joins me now from Carnarvon. Commissioner, really appreciate your time. I know that you started the day quite emotionally. I'm wondering as you stand there now talking to me, have you taken a big deep breath and just let it all sink in and how are you feeling tonight? Look, this is a truly remarkable day in the very short life uh, of uh, a beautiful little girl, Cleo. Uh, and look, it's a day that obviously uh, her rescuers, um, her mum and dad, uh, everyone here, we'll never forget. But I do, for Cleo's sake, hope that she in fact does forget this day. We won't. 
I wonder if there's a happier photo ever taken in Australia of a little girl with an icy pole sitting there waving to the camera. How did you feel when you saw that image? You know, I saw that uh, image probably within an hour of uh, Cleo being rescued from that house. Uh, and to see that image, I unashamedly had a tear in the eye, mm -hmm. and I don't think I was an orphan there. Uh, many people no. all around Australia, indeed beyond Australia. No. Uh, what an emotional day. Yeah, absolutely right about that. Commissioner, was there ever a moment in all of this, we're talking about 18 long days here, where, I don't know, in some quieter moments you thought, all the statistics here are against us, all the research of crimes like this in the past are against us here, the outcome might not be what it is. Did you ever fear that? Look, we dared to hope. Uh, in daring to hope, we did not lose hope, but obviously we were very, very concerned. Mm. Uh, and look, when you've been involved in these sorts of investigations for many years, we had a great team of people. I want to give them credit, but they didn't give up. Uh, and uh, mum and dad didn't give up. Uh, important that we didn't give up, uh, but it was looking pretty tough. It was looking very, very concerning after 18 days. Yeah. Um, we weren't really uh, as hopeful as one would want to be, but we hadn't lost hope. I know there'll be a, a deeper investigation from now on in, but was there, was there one trigger point here in the last 24 hours, one clue that led you to that house? No, really it was a combination of thousands and thousands of meticulous scraping through, uh, listening, uh, ensuring that we were doing this in a very methodical way. Yeah. Um, I just want to uh, once again commend the community of Western Australia, the town of Carnarvon. They came forward in droves to give us any bit of information and help. Uh, but there's a whole lot of backroom analysis. Uh, the officers, and I've just spoken to the constable uh, who went to the scene. Within minutes, he declared a, a forensic protected yeah. area. Uh, a really early judgment call uh, and all the way through, great professionalism and what a fantastic outcome. It is a fantastic outcome and look on behalf of a lot of people around Australia, congratulations to all of your team there and the mobilisation of that community in the area as well. Quite extraordinary. Uh, Commissioner, timeline from this point onwards now, obviously a lot of questions, the big one being motive, charges, where do we go from here? Uh, look, a 36-year-old Carnarvon man has been in our custody uh, since early this morning. Um, he has been questioned uh, we are not yet at the point of formally preferring charges, but you can expect, uh, I would say, before too long, uh, that we'll be making an announcement uh, about the charges that uh, this man who's been in our custody, uh, he is talking to police. Mm -hmm. um, it would be wrong for me to speculate any further than that, uh, but there are some serious charges forthcoming. Of course. And just, and just on Chloe, we, we've said safe and well. We can see in the photo that she certainly appears to be that way as well. Uh, are we clear that she was in that house the entire time and that she was treated OK? Look, that's part of our investigation uh, and uh, it'd be wrong for me to hypothesise beyond that because we've still got a way to go uh, in terms of that. She has told us certain things. Yes. Uh, and as I say, we, we do have a man we're talking to uh, there's no other party uh, that we presently uh, are investigating. Yep. Um, we do, at this point in time, uh, only have one male person that we're speaking with. Okay. Um, the information that we had came through very late yesterday. Things happened very rapidly. But at this point in time, uh, it's too beyond what I can say, yep. other than where we found her is where we think 
she was taken, but I can't say too much more than that. Understand. Congratulations to you, your team and everyone in that community. Commissioner, thanks for your time. Thanks, Michael. So let's take a look at where this all is happening in Western Australia. The search was centred around the state's west. Cleo disappeared from a campsite in McLeod. That's around a 10-hour drive north of Perth where the search began. Much of the investigation took place in Carnarvon, where Cleo was eventually found just 75 kilometres from where she went missing. The house she was found in is just seven minutes from where she lives. We're learning more about the suspect in police custody also, believed to have been keeping Cleo Smith locked in his home. Terence Kelly's neighbours describing him as a quiet man who keeps to himself. Well, he's a quiet one. He hardly interacts with any community people and he attends his activities at Real Futures and, like, he's just a loner. Yeah, he just... Um, he's got family in Carnarvon, but, I mean, he doesn't really interact with them. He just sticks to himself. My little girl's dad lived next door to him and we was over on Sunday afternoon and he was telling me about how he's noticing he's been up late at night when before. He was, he's, well, cause he's a quiet man and he never ever did things like that. See him every day taking off in the car like if he's in a rush. Yeah. Like if he's paranoid or, yeah. How do you feel? I just feel a shock. We see him up and down in his car driving around, yeah. But every time we see him at his house, he'll, like, he'll jump in his car and he'll drive. But then he'll come around and he'll like make sure I have a look at his house, but then he'll just keep driving, yeah. They quiet and that day, like, they do their own thing, but everyone, like, they know the person who stays at that house, they wouldn't think about, or wouldn't thought about it would be him or something, yeah. But we got to shock ourselves that it was him. Other day, like I think it was Monday, we saw him in the Woolworth there buying Kimbies and that, but we didn't click on who it was, but or what he was buying it for, who he was buying it for, yeah. But until now, but what sort of bloke is Terry Kelly? I don't know. He's a loner. He's a loner. Keeps to himself. Well, the 36-year-old suspect is under police guard in hospital in Carnarvon tonight, where our reporter Joey Catanzaro joins us live right now. Joey, good evening to you. So what, what happened this afternoon? It all seemed to change. What happened after he was arrested? Well, Michael, he was being questioned this morning at Carnarvon Police Station and then we were told that somehow he'd become injured in custody. Now, I spoke with some of the locals who were also in the lock-up at the time. They say there was a lot of blood everywhere, there was screaming, there was some yelling. Uh, shortly after midday, local time here in WA, uh, Mr Kelly was taken to Carnarvon Hospital where he currently remains under armed guard and he will remain here until he's deemed medically fit to move. Even then, he may not move far. My understanding is that if he's well enough, he will face court here in Carnarvon as early as tomorrow. And, Joey, what more have you learned about him? What do we know about this person? Michael, everybody who knows him is, is in shock. Uh, I'm told that he was raised by his grandmother. He's now a bit of a loner. He keeps to himself. I don't know. I mean, I think everybody here is just questioning if what police allege is true, what sort of person could potentially do this? Yeah. Was Cleo in that home for the entire time she was missing? Are there other crime scenes? And I think the biggest question, of course, is the motive. If, if Kelly did take her, why did he take her?
they're the big questions. You just heard the Commissioner a few seconds ago tell me that uh, he expects at least one charge, I think, to be laid pretty soon. Is that what you're hearing? Michael, I, I spoke with police a short time ago. They were initially hoping to lay charges this evening. Uh, they now think it's more likely that as detectives build their case, they will lay a charge of kidnapping sometime tomorrow. Other charges, if there are any, may take a great deal of time. It really just depends on what little Cleo is able to tell investigators. It depends what evidence, if any, they're able to uh, extract from the home here in Carnarvon where she was allegedly being held captive. It could be days, could be months. We don't know. And interviewing her is a very delicate process, obviously. All right, Joey Catanzaro there, thank you. Well, 7 Perth's Tim McMillan is live also from Carnarvon tonight. Let me bring you in. Tim, g'day to you. Now, you've, you interviewed Ellie Smith and her partner, Jake, just before Cleo was found in a sit-down interview. Based on that conversation, Tim, how do you think they are tonight? Oh, it's hard to imagine the feelings of jubilation and relief that they would be experiencing, Michael. But when I spoke to them, it was last Monday, it was day 10 of the search for their little four-year-old daughter. Uh, at that point, they said they had barely slept a wink. They couldn't go back to their family home because it was just too traumatic to be in there, uh, knowing that they were in Cleo's house and Cleo wasn't there. They were an absolute mess as well. They were having to deal with online trolls who were accusing them of having some sort of role in her disappearance. So they were just two very, very broken souls at that point in time. Uh, and they also said to me, they didn't want to make too much of it, but they did admit uh, that they, at that stage, were starting to lose hope. So one can only imagine their feelings when the phone rings in the middle of the night. I understand they were familiar with the number that was coming up. It was the, it was the police's appointed family liaison person whose number came up in Ellie's phone. Uh, and when she took that, that phone call, they very quickly put her on uh, to Cleo, just so that for her, the moment was real. They had her and they could breathe a massive sigh of relief. What an absolutely magic moment. And Oda, Oda have seen and heard all of mm. that. Just a beautiful moment there for, for her mum. Um, Tim, this is all very in close quarters in Carnarvon. I mean, where she was found is about seven minutes away from the family home. Uh, we are guessing tonight that they've gone back to the home. Perhaps they're still in hospital. But uh, this is all going to be very present for them. I'm just wondering what the feeling is going to be like in Carnarvon tonight where you are. Yeah, look... Look, initially, it's absolute relief that she's been found because, you know, Ellie's um, family, they weren't the only ones who were starting to lose hope. Um, and to think the scale of this search, it quickly went from a, a land, air and sea search around the Blowholes campsite uh, to include here in Carnarvon and then to a range of 1,000 kilometres and then very quickly it became a statewide, even nationwide mm. search. So to learn today that she was found safe and well and then to find out that she was found in a house that's two minutes down the road from the police station here, only seven minutes away from her family home, is just incredible. So I think at the moment it is just pure joy that she's been found alive and well, but I dare say that uh, that mood is going to start to change a little bit. Uh, certainly we're hearing that uh, the accused man, well he's not even charged yet, but that's likely to, uh, to happen sometime in the next 24 hours. When he faces court, I think people are really going to start to ask questions about what the last 18 days have been like. What on earth has been going Absolutely. on with Cleo in that time? It's, so, I mean, that image again that we're running is just fantastic, though, to see her sitting up in the hospital bed giving a wave with the icy pole. But that, that note this afternoon yep. was interesting, Tim. Police urging the community to stick together. Uh, do we read into that? What are their concerns? Well, I think the concerns uh, at the moment, uh, this is a small town. It's, a, you know, it's about four and a half, 
6,000 people. You spend any time on the ground here, you start to hear stories, theories, you start to hear rumours. People think they know people connected to the family, connected to the accused. They've all got their ideas about what may or may not have happened. And I think for police now... Uh, once, again, as I say, the, the relief of finding her starts to subside, uh, their investigation more or less hits a reset. Now that they've got uh, a person that they've identified as a suspect, they, they now have to go back and try to retrace that person's steps over the last two and a half weeks. While all of the theories are being bandied around in this pretty close-knit community, they've got to sift through that because uh, the next step for them is trying to mount and to land a successful prosecution. So their job, after... The, all of the celebration tonight uh, is really going to start from scratch again tomorrow as we enter in the next phase. But I can tell you, I mean, even police, they are really feeling it. Just after we got here today uh, and we were setting up for a press conference here at the uh, Carnarvon Police Station, I saw one of the officers come out and very proudly and purposefully plant that found sticker over the top of the missing poster. <laughs> That's and you great, isn't it? get a sense of the, of the pride that they were feeling. Um, but look, pretty soon they also have to uh, realise, and, uh, and I know that they do, yeah. uh, that they have to present a compelling case in court. They do. It's now all about the facts and not the speculation, but it's good to see that found sticker as well. It's yeah. very telling. All right, Tim McMillan, great to talk it to you. It was quite a moment. Yeah, I bet it was. Good on you. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Well, the search for Cleo Smith had the whole nation looking, but as we now know tonight, the four-year-old was allegedly being held captive, only a seven-minute drive from her family home, less than an hour from the campsite where she was abducted. Now, Ben Downey is at the crime scene, as we were just talking to him before, live from Carnarvon again. Ben, the, the question everyone wants to know tonight is an update on Cleo's condition. How is she, do we know? We're still waiting for an official update. Uh, the family, uh, Michael, they're using police as the, the channel to talk to the media and, and the rest of the world, as well as putting small updates on social media. What we do know is that she is definitely safe and well, and if she, if she could survive close to three weeks in, inside a home like this, locked up, and, and come out smiling and, and full of energy and be described as an energizer bunny, mm -hmm. I think having now spent a, a day with her family, she could only be in better spirits. Uh, tomorrow, though, she, the, the, sadly, this ordeal isn't over for Cleo. She's going to be having to speak to specialists detectives that you know yeah. talk to children know how to you know extract information from them without causing any drama so you know what's one thing i'm sure has been communicated to her is how much this entire town has been behind her not just the town but the entire nation uh, sending messages of support all the vigils that have been held the fact that it's created headlines internationally i'm sure uh, at four years old she should be able to at least take some information and understand a little bit of just how everyone is, was pulling through for her and even though when she felt alone everyone was praying and, and hoping that uh, she'd be found alive I think if we can read into uh, any of her behaviour there, the way she was uh, hugging the, the police officer there, playing with his hoodie, the way she smiled in that photo, it uh, does certainly match what police have told us, that she was safe and well, the well bit being really important. So that's good. Uh, the charges we spoke about just a few minutes ago, but uh, they are expected imminently. Um, what's the process now, Ben? Probably a, a charge, a holding charge of some kind, whilst they forensically get more evidence together for potential other charges? Yeah, that's right, Michael. I think once we see the first charge laid, like you've just you mentioned, it, it's probably going to be more to follow. What's going to happen now, obviously, is they still have to finish the interview uh, with Terence Kelly. So once they fully complete that, they'll get out all the information they need. They also need to fully dissect the home behind me. Once they're satisfied, they have every piece of information from that. They've got enough information from Terence and from, Kelly, uh, from Cleo, who'll have to be interviewed as well. Then they'll begin to lay the charges. But, of course, they can't hold him for too long without issuing a 
charge. So if they're not confident that they can charge him fully, they'll, like you said, we'll have to issue a holding charge. Expect it around some time tomorrow. I think police are not going to be as kind to, to Terence as they were to Cleo, so they have to be interviewing him yeah. through the night. I don't, I don't think they're going to be spend, sparing any time um, to process that. But yes, charges tomorrow likely to appear either in the Carnarvon uh, Magistrates Court before a magistrate here or perhaps be taken to Geraldton. No word on whether he'll need to be travelling all the way to Perth so far. As we're seeing in the vision there, though, just depending, I guess, on his medical condition tonight, as we know, he was taken to hospital. So uh, we'll see there. All right, Ben, you put in some marathon reporting on all of this. We appreciate it. Thank you. Now, as the Midnight Miracle was unfolding, it was obviously in the dead of night and the WA Premier was for a while asleep and unaware of the raid. But by daylight, full of thanks for everyone who got us to this point. I got a message at 1.38 this morning uh, from the police commissioner. Uh, I didn't answer it. <laughs> I was asleep. Uh, but, um, but I did, you know, I woke up at about three and I saw the message. So it was a great piece of news. And uh, I, um, he sent me a photo of little... Cleo in a hospital bed, sitting there smiling, so it was a wonderful piece of news. So, look, I don't know what to expect in these things. You never know what to expect. Um, you know, you, you hope for the best, but, you know, you prepare for the worst. Uh, it's uh, just, um, just an exciting day for all of us. Police sent 63 officers up to Carnarvon, who've been working full-time on this for the last 18 or 19 days. So that's been a massive effort, plus all the other police officers there, plus all the community volunteers out searching the bush out there. It's been a remarkable effort. Yes, yeah, often is a tragic outcome, uh, but this is uh, great news and uh, uplifting for the entire country and especially for those people who put their heart and soul into finding little Cleo and I know they're so proud and pleased of what has been achieved and often unacknowledged, you know, police officers are often unacknowledged for what they do and I want to make sure that we all acknowledge them for what they've done, all the people who did the work to solve this. Uh, it's one of those cases that uh, you know, you're really quite unsure it will ever get solved, but it was, and solved in a good way in that she's come home alive and well. And Prime Minister Scott Morrison has shared his relief over the news Cleo was found safe. Let's bring in our political reporter, Jennifer Beshwadi at Parliament House. Now, Jen, good evening to you. He was making a stopover in Dubai. Yeah, that's right, Michael. Before greeting the troops at an airbase in Dubai, the Prime Minister wanted to say a few words to those watching back at home about the rescue. He welcomed the news that young Cleo was found alive and well. He praised the work of all emergency services and volunteers involved in the search effort. He says that his prayers and those of everyone in the country have now been answered. I just want to say how thankful I am that Cleo is home and that she's safe. Um, to, to Ellie and Jake, this is every parent's worst nightmare and the fact that that nightmare has come to an end and our worst fears were not realised um, is just a huge relief. Tributes have also flowed on social media from members of parliament, from the Deputy Prime Minister Barnaby Joyce. This is the outcome Australia wanted. From Labor's Tanya Plibersek, Cleo Smith is safely back in the arms of her parents. Welcome home, Cleo. And also speaking today, opposition leader Anthony Albanese. It's the idea that uh, your child goes missing for 18 days uh, would have been just such a traumatic experience. Uh, for this family. I think it's fair to say, Michael, that all politicians are united in their joy over this miraculous recovery. All right, Jen Beshwadi, thank you.
It's an extreme case of lost and found that really captured the attention of the nation and the world. Uh, Europe Bureau Chief Hugh Whitfeld's live from London tonight. Uh, Hugh, good evening to you. Cleo Smith is making global headlines. Michael, she is, and I think it's fuelled by a couple of things. The world has always had a peculiar fascination with Australia's outback, the isolation, the distances, uh, the sort of thing that people here in Britain, for example, simply cannot fathom, the isolation of a town like Carnarvon. Add to that the fact that the world is hungry for a good news story right now, and Cleo Smith is the top story. Missing four-year-old Cleo Smith has been found alive and well after disappearing from a campsite in Western Australia more than two weeks ago. Cleo vanished from her family's tent near the town of Carnarvon, triggering an enormous search. Four-year-old girl who went missing in Western Australia has been found alive more than two weeks after she disappeared from her family's campsite. Police say a 36-year-old man with no connection to the family is now in custody over Cleo Smith's disappearance. Our headlines today. Reunited with her parents, four-year-old Cleo, whose disappearance sparked a nationwide search in Australia, has been found safe and well. And to some breaking news now, the Western Australia Police Force has just released a picture of little Cleo Smith. She's sitting up in a hospital bed, waving to the camera and eating an iced lolly. Police have now detained a 36-year-old suspect. Public pleas to help find the missing child pushed individual search efforts by local residents, helping police to solve the case. And it's not just TV, but uh, websites around the world as well. One site here dubbing Clio Australia's Maddie. And of course, there's been plenty of parallels drawn between Cleo Smith and Maddie McCann. Of course, uh, Kate and Jerry McCann have never had to ex or never been able to experience the sort of happy outcome that Cleo's parents have been able to. But there's certainly been, as I say, a long-term fascination with these sort of yeah. cases, particularly in Australia. You only have to think back to the Azaria Chamberlain case, Michael, and I think going forward there'll be a lot of eyes on where this investigation goes and any eventual outcome. Absolutely. A lot of interest. All right, Hugh Whitfeld in London. Thank you for that. Well, missing persons expert and research consultant Dr Sarah Wayland has studied missing persons cases and worked with families for 20 years. She's live now from Sydney. Sarah, good evening to you. Um, look, I know we feared uh, the worst outcomes here. The WA Police Commissioner told me that he dared to hope. How rare is an outcome like this one, the one we've seen today? It's an incredibly rare event, and not only the fact that Cleo was abducted in the first place, but that she was located alive and well. So it's both a rare event and a rare outcome in terms of the happy news that we've all received. Do you have any insights into, into how that, you recall that million dollar reward that was offered early on, might have impacted the case? Look, I think the families I've worked with over the last few decades have really talked about the inclusion of a reward to do a number of things. Sometimes it's operationally used by the police. Sometimes it's used in a way to garner some more attention from the community. And sometimes it's just a continual reminder, particularly for those long-term cases, that families are still waiting for news of a loved one. So it could have been all of those things, but I think it's also, you know, a few glimmers of hope that have come together. I mean, the impact on the family must be extraordinary. You've done a lot of research into things like that as well. You know, when there's no uh, happy ending, how do you think many of them are feeling today? Look, I think that the first thing I thought, well, probably the second, the first thing I thought was what wonderful news. And the second thing I thought was imagine the sadness of so many long-term missing persons, families across Australia at the moment. Families of long-term missing people exist in that space between hopefulness and hopelessness. Yeah. 
and they would be cheering the family on but also be wondering when their miracle might come to the foreground. And I'm very, very mindful. I've, I've interviewed a few times over time the people close to the William Tyrrell case and, you know, this is the scenario that they'd be sitting. In fact, one of them contacted me today saying that they were just so happy, but they're watching a scenario unfold that they haven't been able to experience. It must be terribly difficult. But w what is the strangest thing about this case to you? What stands out? Look, I think what stands out is that we're often considering the ways... The, the inclusion of social media in missing persons cases has shown that not only do community become involved, but they also become armchair detectives. Mm. And that challenge of being able to fight the community's assumptions about what they think happens, as well as making sure that we not only prioritise cases like Cleo's, but other missing persons who also need the same amount of community attention need to be embraced. So I think in this case, it was really difficult to step back and just let the police do their work without being clouded by the community interest and the community intrigue about what they thought had happened. Yeah, do you think this one will be studied? I mean, it's been quite an extraordinary effort by the WA police and, and the government, the way they were supported up there. Uh, do you think this one will be studied in how they did it? We're living in an era of electronic surveillance, but it was a remote area. They even had to go back through rubbish bins to try and get clues. It's mm. been an interesting one. I think there's always dual paths when we're talking about complex complex missing persons cases. I think operationally, we always need to understand what can be learnt from each case so that it can be applied to others, but also the emotional impacts of what happens for families, what happens to extended family, but also how we look after each other when we talk about these incidents happening in our community, because sadly, they will happen again. Yeah. How do you think that little family's doing tonight? with Cleo back in their arms. Look, it's my daughter's 16th birthday today and I still go in every night and kiss her goodnight after she's fallen asleep. So I yeah. would be imagining that yeah. they're very much hovering over the top of her right now. Absolutely. I think they would be. All right, Dr Sarah Wynan, great to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Cleo is home, but police have said their work is far from over with an investigation still ongoing. Our reporter Joey Catanzaro is in Carnarvon. Joey, hello. So, a lot of unanswered questions tonight. What do you think is the biggest question for police? Michael, as you say, a lot of unanswered questions, but probably the biggest this evening for officers looking at this case is what was the alleged motive for Terence Kelly why did he abduct Cleo from the Blowholes campsite on October 16? It's the end, of course, of this search for the missing four-year-old, but this is really just the beginning of the police investigation. We are hearing that he was potentially arrested somewhere other than the house where Cleo was kept captive for almost 18 days. So potentially there are other crime scenes to look at. Yeah. It's, it's very early days, but a lot of work to be done, Michael. That motive question's the big one. What, what about the timeline now, Joey? When will charges be laid? Well, Michael, police had indicated earlier today that they were hoping to, to lay charges within the next few hours. I've just been told that that's probably not going to be the case, that they're expecting to lay at least one charge tomorrow and that they're likely working towards uh, bringing a charge of child stealing or, for better, for better use of a word, kidnapping mm. against him. Uh, but there may be other charges in the works as well. As you may have seen, there's a full forensic scene at the house where Cleo was allegedly being held captive. So they're looking at everything that may be possibly 
was done to her over the past 18 days and that's obviously yeah. the, the, the thing that the mind shies away from but they do need to look at that. Taking a lot of evidence from the house quite naturally today, we saw them coming and going, the police. Uh, the, to your knowledge, are they looking for anything specific, do you know, or is it just a general collection of evidence? Michael, my understanding is they will be scooping up everything in that home, they'll be examining everything and really they're looking for evidence of what may have occurred in that house whilst Cleo was held captive allegedly over the past 18 days. There may be evidence there that leads to a number of different charges. Obviously we have to be very careful about what we say at this stage, at this early stage in the criminal proceedings, but there may be evidence inside the home that leads to, to other charges. Yeah. They'll be looking to, to prove some of their theories and, uh, and certainly my understanding is uh, that Terence Kelly could face court in Carnarvon as early as tomorrow. He's currently in the hospital here being treated and it may well be a bedside hearing, but he could face court as early as tomorrow. All right, Joey Catanzaro there, thank you. Ian Hickey's a professor of psychiatry and internationally renowned uh, mental health researcher and policy advisor. He joins me now live from Sydney. Uh, Ian, good evening to you. I mean, obviously all of our thoughts are around little Cleo tonight and the impact this has had on her in your experience. What impact might the past 18 days have had on this little four-year-old? Well, it's a four-year-old. There'll be some limit to what understanding of what has actually happened. The most important thing is being rapidly reunited with her family and the extent to which the family and the surrounding community can make things normal again as quickly as possible. So depending on exactly on the circumstances, and obviously there are things we don't know at this stage, but if the family and the surrounding community can wrap around her quickly and things can return to normal, then hopefully the impact on her will be limited. The really big impact in the immediate term is obviously on the family and on the parents and on others who've been through the most terrible yeah. ordeal over the last two weeks. Help us with that then. How might those parents, those poor parents, be feeling tonight after the, the weeks that they've had? Well, I think you can see from the outpourings from other parents and people all around the world, as you've just emphasised, people all around the world just are terrified that they should ever find themselves in similar situations. So to actually be the parents in that situation is really difficult. So the degree of support that they receive from those they're close to, not from health professionals, I might say, from those people that they're normally close to, family, kin, the surrounding community, that has been critical, obviously, over this very difficult period, and that will be critical over the future period. The extent to which those normative social processes can wrap around that family and that community can come together and support those who have been terribly affected by these events. In a small community, I wonder what, what the geography of the area might uh, have an impact on them. I mean, uh, it's the family home is just a few minutes away from where Cleo was found and where we believe she was held for the last 18 days. Uh, it's all very in their face. Does that help or hinder, I wonder? Really, a lot depends what happens now. I mean, obviously, what is happening, you've got worldwide media, you've got police, you've got all the pictures you're showing. There's a tremendous influx of people into the community at the moment. From a mental health point of view, the extent to which the community itself can contribute, can come together, can recognise this as something which in very fortunately has had a really tremendous outcome, a tremendous sense of relief, and can provide that support around the family yeah. and around Cleo herself will really matter. So in a, in a funny way, the extent to which people can get on with their lives quickly really helps. If things are very disrupted or if there are accusations within the community or there are divisions within the community, that makes it really hard. 
Well, I'd imagine they'll just isolate themselves now and get used to tucking little Cleo back into bed again and doing very normal daily routine, which would be important to their recovery. But I worry about the trauma on, on mum and her partner. We know that the police were holding out hope, but at one stage, we do know that mum considered the worst, that she may not see her daughter again. How do they get over that trauma? Not easily and not in the short term. Yeah. So this is a longer term issue. There's great relief, obviously, at the moment, but this is a terrible experience for the parents and the mum to have been through, and that's going to take a lot of getting used to. I mean, obviously, during the whole period, thoughts of what might have happened to their daughter, of, of the possibilities, would have been impossible to put out of one's mind. And that isn't easily got over. So this is a longer-term process. They will require a tremendous amount of support, as I say, from those they're close to in the first instance, mm. and may require some professional assistance down the track. But I think it's also important what happens. You know, the danger is, of course, there's worldwide focus now and lots of requests for media interviews, lots of pressure, lots of hope. You know, it's hard to live a normal life again when something so dramatic has happened and the, and the worldwide interest is so large. Yeah. So the extent to which there's going to be some degree of wrapping around that, some degree of protection from that, while the media has been tremendously helpful in the short term, the extent to which people can back off to a certain degree, the extent to which police and emergency services have been very involved. So, you know, that really difficult balance of given everything that's happened, the tremendous amount of worldwide interest we all have in the outcome of being able to actually just back off to some degree and be supportive rather than intrusive matters to the longer-term recovery. Yeah. In short, they need a bit of peace and quiet and just some time with their daughter again. <laughs> just to get back, if it's yeah. at all possible, as quickly as possible to something approaching a normal life. I tell you what, though, we could be talking about something very, very different here and just those images that we've seen of, of, of Cleo, we're seeing a smiling, what we believe to be a happy little girl, considering what she's been through for 18 days. So that's a good start. All right, Professor Ian Hickey, great to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's take a look at some other news now. More travellers can fly from New South Wales into Western Australia come Saturday when the state's COVID risk level is downgraded. Don't get too excited. Only a handful of extra fully vaccinated people can apply for an exemption and home quarantine waits them at the other end. WA's border reopening roadmap will be revealed on Friday. Thousands of unvaccinated Queenslanders are tonight being offered a pub feed voucher if they finally do their bit and receive a COVID vaccine. Let's go to our reporter, Ned Balm. He's got the details in Brisbane. Ned, good evening to you. Run us through uh, this pub feed initiative. Well, Michael, as the saying goes, desperate times call for desperate measures. Now, while the state government hasn't gone as far as saying that, they are certainly turning over every stone to try and boost those lagging vaccination rates. The latest effort, a partnership with Clubs Queensland. Now, as you said, they'll get a pub feed, essentially. What, basically, what they're saying is that more than 7,000, there'll be more than 7,000 $10 vouchers up for grabs for those looking to get their first jab at certain, uh, certain vaccination hubs. Now, what is interesting about those hubs is that 10 of the 14 are actually in regional Queensland. So it's another effort to perhaps mm. narrow that divide of the vaccination rate difference that we're seeing between the southeast and the regions. Now, speaking of the state in general, uh, at the moment, we currently sit at 65.3% fully vaccinated. So we are inching toward that 70% mark. Once we reach that mark, people from hotspots 
will be able to fly back into Brisbane, but they will have to home quarantine. Yeah. Then December 17, that's the date or the 80% vaccinated mark. That's when we'll start to see travellers coming back from hotspots on the road, in the air, without the need to quarantine. As for today's COVID numbers, well, we did see one case that popped up later in the day, a positive case. That's a truckie out at Gundawindi. So no doubt Queensland Health will be paying close attention yeah. to that situation. All right, well, let's hope the vouchers give those rates a bit of a kick along and, uh, and lift. All right, Ned Baum in Brisbane, thank you for that. Drink driving Victorian Liberal MP Tim Smith says he's reflecting on his career tonight but isn't leaving politics despite crashing his car into a home while more than twice the legal blood alcohol limit. Our reporter Estelle Greepink is right across the story in Melbourne. Estelle, hello to you. Now, Smith says he's an idiot. How has he explained his behaviour? Good evening, Michael. Well, Tim Smith says that drink driving on Saturday night was the worst decision of his life. And he's also called this experience humbling, embarrassing and humiliating. He blew almost three times the legal blood alcohol limit on Saturday night. And that's after he clipped a car, hit a fence and crashed into a wall. And behind that wall was an eight-year-old child's bedroom. He has apologised profusely for this today in a lengthy press conference, but he stopped short of saying that he'd leave Parliament. Let's take a listen to what he had to say. I made a really dumb decision. I shouldn't have got in the car. I regret getting in the car. I shouldn't have. Mm. I wish I hadn't. Look, I've made a terrible, terrible error. A massive error. Does one error mean that a career is over forever? That's the question. So, Michael, Tim Smith there saying that he won't be resigning from Parliament anytime soon, but he has lost the support of the opposition leader, Matthew Guy. He has said he doesn't want Tim Smith on his front bench and his office really wanted to drive that home today. They were texting that message to members of the media while this press conference from Tim Smith was unfolding. Meanwhile, the state government has said this just goes to show the Liberal Party is at war with itself. Michael? All right, Estelle Grouping in Melbourne. Thank you for that. Thank you for your company this evening. From all the team here at 7 News right across Australia, that is the latest. I'm Michael Usher. Have a good night. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.